0: Hi, and welcome to the Savage Podcast. I'm Rose, also known as Cheap Lazy Vegan on YouTube. And I'm Daniel, one of your favorite guest stars on Cheap Lazy Vegan's YouTube channel. We're two friends who love to talk about the latest trending topics. So get comfortable and join us while we give our Savage take on just about everything. Hello, everyone. It's Rose, and I am back with another episode of the Savage Podcast. You guys. I do not have Daniel with me, as we've discussed, but it feels very, very weird. So if you guys don't know, my co-host, my beloved co-host slash one of my BFFs, Daniel Davies, okay, is uh, actually in the UK at the moment. He is on vacation. He's on holiday, as the Brits like to call it. And um, yeah, so it's just me today. I apologize. (laughs) I apologize in advance. Uh, I know that, you know, you guys love our banter and you love Daniel a lot. So I'm sorry that he is not here, but we are here with a solo episode, but I'm not alone, my friends, because we have my other friend red wine with me. So if you guys are not watching on YouTube, which you, I mean, you can, if you want to, we do have a YouTube channel. It's called the savage podcast where we post video versions of this podcast. And, um, yeah, if you guys, you know, want to see my, my face, you want, if you want to see Daniel's pretty face when he's back, uh, definitely check out our YouTube channel. And, um, of course, if you are not subscribed yet to our Patreon, what are you waiting for? Join our Patreon family. It is a patreon.com slash the savage podcast. You get the episodes a week earlier than everyone else. So our our Patreon listeners have already listened to this last week. Okay. And um, you also get bonus episodes every month only for our Patreon subscribers. And of course you can interact with us on a more personal level. You can request uh, video ideas. You can request uh, podcast episode ideas and things like that. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah. Anyways. Oh my God. This is so strange. Okay. Listen. I am not a stranger to filming alone because obviously, if you guys don't know, I have a YouTube channel called Cheap Lazy Vegan where I do like vegan recipes and things like that. So I've filmed many, many times alone, but I've never done this podcast alone. And the thing with podcasts, you guys, is that I feel very vulnerable, especially when I'm alone because it's such a weird and different filming style that I'm used to. When I'm filming from my main channel, like my food, you know, vegan channel, I am under the impression, I'm like, well, I'm not under the impression. I know that I'm going to be doing a lot of editing, like a lot of, what do you call those? Jump cuts where it's like very snappy, very quick editing. Whereas with the podcast, it is usually very low edit, very kind of free flowing conversation. And (laughs) it feels weird. Okay. It's like normal when I'm talking to somebody, right? If I'm talking to Daniel, it's very normal. It's just kind of like how we talk in real life. Okay. That's why you get the unfiltered you know, version. But um, when it's by myself, I feel very weird because I know that I'm not going to be editing this that much. But at the same time, that makes me feel very vulnerable because I'm used to like editing the crap out of every single video. I edit like all the ums and the like and the, you know, By the way, why do we say, um, and like so much, like generally as a population, I feel like, especially in North America, North Americans, we love to say the, um, and the, and the like. I remember back in university, one of my professors, (laughs) he was this old man. I was like, why are you not retired? Anyway, he was a very interesting old man. He was probably like, I swear he was probably at least in his seventies or eighties and, um, He really hated when anyone said, um, or like, or any of those sort of sentence continuing words, what are they called? Anyways, he really, really hated those. So anytime you would speak out, he would make you speak. Okay. And anytime you would speak in front of the class, he would, you know, make sure you were not saying, um, or like, or, uh, or anything like that. And anytime you'd say it, he'd like, I can't remember what he would say, but it was like embarrassing and awkward. And that's when, you know, that's probably the first time I realized how often I said um or like. And then, of course, the second time was when I started doing YouTube and started editing my videos and realizing, oh my God, why do I sound so ditzy? Oh my God, why do I say like every single two seconds? And then, of course, with this podcast, especially because we don't really edit out all the likes and the ums. And I know some people were like commenting, being like, oh my God, you say like and um like way too much. Honestly, you guys, if you live in North America and you were, if you recorded yourself speaking, I mean, actually, this is probably not true. I mean, some people probably just don't say like and um that much. Maybe this is just where we grew up. I have no idea. But there's a high chance that you might say those words a lot. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to teach myself not to, you know, because I don't know. It's not, it's not, I mean, it's not horrible, but it definitely doesn't make me feel smart when I hear myself saying um and like, anyways. Lord, let me have a sip of my wine, you guys. Okay. I have been, I have been blabbering for five minutes and here's the thing. I have to talk for the next 60 minutes by myself. Not that that's ever been an issue. Okay. But it feels vulnerable. Okay. Oh, you guys, wine. Anyways. (laughs) Oh my God, you guys. So I have been off you know, we have been not doing this podcast for the entirety of June, which was actually so, so nice. Okay. Not going to like, not that we don't like doing this. Okay. But it was nice to have one thing off the plate, if that makes sense, because this is like relatively low effort for us, but it is a weekly thing. So we do have to record every week and it is, you know, time consuming. And of course we do our Patreon exclusives every month. So it is something we think about. It is something we, you know, it is on our minds. Okay. Okay. So to have one thing off of the list was definitely helpful. I released my new ebook on my main, you know, YouTube channel, my, my cheap, lazy vegan platform. Okay. I released a new ebook. Now I have four ebooks. That is crazy. Okay. So this is one of the first things I did. Listen, guys, if you ever, not that any of you guys, I mean, maybe some of you guys, if you guys ever want to do like an online business or something, or, if you want to do like social media, specifically if you want to do like influencing, right? So, like, um, Instagram, YouTube, making content. Um, one of the things, and I think one of the smartest things I did to make this basically a viable business for me was creating my own products. Okay, creating my own products, and I usually only sold, I basically only sold ebooks. I mean, I did some merch here and there, and I might bring some merch back. Um, but my main thing was making my own eBooks. And the reason why eBooks are so good or like basically any sort of digital product that you can sell like in large quantities, that's always good. Um, the reason why it's good is because you don't have to keep producing it. It doesn't have any overhead cost and you are creating a product that can be distributed basically infinitely almost. And of course you already have an audience you know that follows you and you, know, you might have something important to say or something important to share. For me, recipes, a collection of recipes that I find really uh, delicious and intriguing, that's what I decided to share and that's one of the first things I did when I uh, became a full-time YouTuber. That's what kind of propelled me into becoming actually a full-time YouTuber because before that I was making money. I was doing videos and I was making uh, money through sponsorships, but it wasn't until I released my first ebook that I called myself a full-time YouTuber because that's the time when I finally made like a paycheck that was enough to call myself a full-time YouTuber. Anyways, random, random little, you know, piece of information. (laughs) Don't know who you guys are. Okay. If you guys are watching on YouTube, comment down below. Are you like, what do you do for a living? Okay. Let me know. I want to get to know my audience. Here's the thing with, here's the thing with podcasts, right? It is hard to get a feedback, right? In some ways I like it because You know, social media, YouTube, TikTok, oh God, TikTok especially, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all those things have the comments, you know, available and comment section can be a bit daunting. It's like a lot, right? And people have a lot of opinions about a lot of things and it can be, you know, I think I've talked about this many times before, but it's not a normal human experience to have so much one-sided feedback coming your way from people that you do not know. This is not a normal human experience. Experience and it's not fun, right? So, whilst it can be nice, of course, when you have nice comments and people being nice, it can be really lovely to have really great feedback. It could also be really um, disheartening to get negative feedback. Uh, So, in some ways, it's good that with podcasts, I feel like we can just kind of have free flowing conversation and people are not as picky. I feel like, well, That's not true. People can be picky in our podcast uh, YouTube uh, comment section. But I feel like when you're just like listening to a podcast and you're not watching on YouTube, not that I'm I'm not discouraging anyone from commenting on our YouTube channel, by the way, but um, you know, when you're just watching or listening to something and you're just kind of like walking, you know, I often listen to podcasts when I'm walking or when I'm washing dishes, doing something that I'm not sitting in front of the computer. Someone might say something that I find to be stupid or, you know, that I find that I disagree with, but I don't like to stop and comment, right? Because I'm not, I'm not in front of a computer. So, you know, a lot of things you learn to just kind of, okay, maybe I don't agree with this person here and you just kind of let it go. Just kind of like normal human conversation. I know. Anyways, um, I forgot why I went on this tangent. I forgot, (laughs) but there you go. Okay. There you go. This is the problem with not having a co-host because, you know, at this point, Daniel might remind me of what I, you know, was saying previously, but now I don't remember. So I'm just going to drink my wine. Anyways, so I had a, we had June off because basically what happened was I went to London basically in the very beginning of June after I released my ebook, by the way, check out the ebook. It is, you can buy let me say that again. See, this is where I'm like, okay, I need to edit this part. And get Anyway, check out the ebook, you guys. I have four ebooks. You can go to thecheaplazyvegan.com. Okay, don't forget the the because somebody stole cheaplazyvegan.com. <laughs> anyway, thecheaplazyvegan.com slash shop. And then and then you can see all my ebooks. I have ebook bundles that are cheaper. But, anyways, my new ebook is basically a weight loss recipes ebook. It's a compilation. It is a gigantic compilation. I feel like I, I talked about this before, but anyway, it's a compilation of um what do you call it? Uh weight loss friendly recipes that are still really delicious. So that's all I'll say. Definitely check it out if you are interested. Oh one more thing I'll say is that it is very easy for you to track your calories because I included all of the calories and macros in the ebook recipes. And you can also input them very easily into my fitness pal. Anyway, that is all I will say. Someone did ask me to talk about the ebook and promote the ebook. So, thank you for allowing me to pitch that to you. Anyways, oh my god, you guys. So, let's talk a little bit about my June trip. Before we like delve into all the dark shit that has been happening in this fucking world, let's talk a little bit about myself cuz <laughs> you know, we need a little lightheartedness. I feel like this is one of You know, one of the things I pride myself in this podcast is that we are able to talk about, you know, kind of real issues, but at the same time, I feel like we're not so like dark, like we're not like the news, you know, we can just talk like we're talking to friends. So maybe it feels a little bit less daunting. I'm hoping that that's what we are providing for you. Anyways, so I went to London. After releasing the the new ebook and saying, okay, we're going to take a month off the podcast, I ended up going to London last minute and I was there for actually two weeks. And then I went to Milan for like a few days. So really my trip was about two and a half weeks total, which was a very long trip for me because I can't remember the last time I went somewhere for that long. And it was so nice, (laughs) you guys it was so nice. Okay. I actually was very good about not working much. Okay. I did not even bring my laptop. I don't remember the last time I went on a trip and didn't bring my laptop. Even when I went to Cancun with Daniel, actually, we brought our laptops and we recorded this podcast in Cancun. So I don't remember the last time I traveled without my laptop but I was like, listen, I need to just actually unplug. So all I did was I brought my, I did bring like my little iPad just in case. And I maybe worked about like three or four hours total, just checking emails and just making sure that like, you know, shit has not hit the fan. Okay. And, um, it was really, really lovely. And even when I was working, I made sure to go to a nice little coffee shop and, you know, have that experience. And, um, it was so lovely. Basically, I got there right before the Queen's Jubilee. I still don't re- really know what the Queen's Jubilee is, but basically, as soon as I got there, I got there May, no, June 1st, I think. And then that weekend was the long weekend because it was the Queen's Jubilee. I guess it was like the Queen's 70th, 70th year. What, what is a Jubilee? Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, the Queen's like 70th year of reign or something like that. So it was like a four day long, long weekend. So my friend, I was staying with my friend, Christelle, uh, who lives in a really nice little neighborhood. So she basically had the whole weekend off. So we did a lot of just drinking, talking, chilling, walking around London. It was so nice. And the weather was almost perfection. There were days when it was a little cloudy, but very, very little rain. And even on the cloudy days, it was like kind of nice because it's just like, it's like London. You kind of just expect it to be a little bit cloudy, but most days were quite sunny and just... It's just so great to be back in London again. At first, it was weird, right? I got off the plane. I was so excited, okay? I had all the nostalgia okay, let's talk about nostalgia in a second. But I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, it has been three years at this point. I used to live there from 2014 to 2016. I moved back and then every year I went back to London because it was kind of like a second home to me. It means a lot to me. London has a very special place in my heart. I started my Cheap Lazy Vegan YouTube channel in London. I met so many cool people in London. I became a vegan in London. I think I did the most growth in London. It was just such a transformative two years of my life. And then after that, Yeah, when I came back, um, I went back in 2017, 2018, and 2019. And then, of course, 2020 is when COVID hit. So I actually did not go back to London since uh, 2019. So then this year, it had been three years, my friends. Three years, okay? Which I know it's not even that long. And I'm so lucky and grateful that I have been able to go back basically every year. And um, yeah, and also so grateful that I went back this time and it felt so strange it was like I was having like reverse 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 culture shock reverse reverse culture shock I don't know it was very strange Um, but I got used to it very quickly and before I knew it I was like wow it feels like I've been here forever again like it's so weird I don't know just the concept of like being able to go from one place to a place like halfway across the world is also so strange to me I I don't know what a time, you know, if you think about that, like what a time to be alive. Now you're getting into my head guys. Okay. These are the things I think about. (laughs) So I get to London, you guys, and then, um, you know, just drinking with my friends, having a great time. Um, one thing that saddens me is that, you know, all my friends that were in London are not necessarily in London anymore, but, um, you know, I still have some close friends that live in London. So it felt really, really, really great to see them and yeah it felt how do i say london i i think i think i actually forgot okay i forgot how much of a sensory overload london is and basically any other big city but like oh my god london is a sensory overload and a half everywhere you go there are a million people there is so much to look at there's so much to see there's so much you're hearing there's like never a moment of like well there are some moments of like somewhat of peace but most of the day you'll just be surrounded by so much to see so much to look at and so much to listen to so much to like buy so much to you know walk around in I don't know like just so much that I I forgot you know I live in a city where <laughs> it's like the opposite there's very little <laughs> I think I actually forgot like I think I actually forgot after being here, In Calgary, Alberta, Canada for the last like three years, just not really going anywhere. I think I got used to, you know, not having such sensory overload. So I think at first I was like, it was actually very exciting, but also it was very overwhelming. I went to Camden, like the second or third day I was in London and it was on a weekend, of course, long weekend, Queens, Jubilee, all that. And guys, Camden in, uh, on a long weekend, uh, on a weekend in general, I forgot how busy and crazy it gets. And it was, it was a lot. And I was like, Oh my God, it's too much. It's too much. I can't deal with it. Um, but after a few days I got used to it and I was like, Ooh, I like it. Okay. I'm, I'm like a big sensory overload type of person. I love, I love a sensory overload. <laughs> okay. Some people hate it. Um, but yeah, I forgot how much there is to see and how exciting it is to just walk around the city. Okay. Just walking around the city. There's so much to see. There's so much to look at. So many people. People to watch, okay? I learned the art of people watching. Okay, not that I didn't know before, but like this time I was like, oh my God, I'm just really enjoying myself, just people watching. Anyways, um, let's talk about nostalgia. So because I I truly feel like I am such a nostalgic human. Is that is that even a term? Like a person that really falls victim to nostalgia, almost to a fault, like almost to a negative degree. It's like I... I don't want to say I live in the past. I feel like I have improved a lot from before. I think when I was like early 20s or maybe even mid 20s, maybe even late 20s, I was very much, you know, either reminiscing the past or looking forward to the future, not fully living in the present. But I think I learned a lot about, you know, how important it is to like really enjoy the present moment and not just always look forward to the future or reminisce about the past. I think I've done pretty good and not looking like, not that I don't look forward to the future, but I think I've done pretty good at, you know, not delaying my happiness or satisfaction of life, um, be dictated by a potential future. So I think I'm good at that, but I definitely think I still look at my past. Some of the experiences I've had with rose colored lenses, if that makes sense. Now, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, and I would love to hear your thoughts like, is it bad to be so nostalgic and like look back at your photos from 10 years ago or like five years ago? I always look back at my time in London um, with rose colored lenses. Of course, when I was living in London, Jesus Christ, some of the experiences I had, whoa, you know, but at the same time, it was almost like those negative experiences really taught me a lot of resilience and um, it made life interesting. You know, I always say to people, if you have a negative experience, as long as no one's dead, as long as no one got hurt, like physically hurt, or at least not like super physically hurt, as long as like, you know, nothing extremely tragic happened, I feel like it can be a, you know, something you can laugh about in about a year or two years or three years, or it's something that you can really grow and learn from. Okay. So I feel like most negative experiences, I try to kind of like look at it from that lens. And I think I was very much taught that when I was living in London. Okay. Because my flat flooded, my landlord kicked me out. There was just so much that happened. I feel like I've talked about these stories before on one of our... I think one of our early Patreon exclusive, I'm not sure. Um, if you want me to talk about it again in a future episode, me and Daniel, I'm sure we can fill it an entire two episodes on talking about our stories in London. But um, you know, a lot happened in London, you know, it was stressful. You know, we first got there and we were like, holy shit, why is rent so expensive? And you get like a shoebox of an apartment, I don't even have a place to sit down to eat my dinner, and I'm paying like extortionate prices. So it's it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. It is definitely not an easy experience, but I learned so much from it. So I have, you know, really fond memories of it at the end of the day because again, this is another reminder. The fact that I'm look back, I look back at that experience, those 2 years and all of the, you know, negative things that may have happened in those two years, which a lot did happen. Like, you know, one of the jobs I had, I really fucking hated my job and I was like, Oh my God, so stressed about it. Um, you know, I it was probably the first time I had like some level of anxiety about a job. Um, but now I, I don't really, I, I still think I learned a lot from that job and, um, I don't have any regret, r- r- Regrets? I don't have any regrets. So that's a reminder. If something, you know, if you're going through a stressful time right now, if you're something, if you're dealing with something really, you know, just stressful or annoying or, you know, had a bad day, you know, or something really crazy happened to you that wasn't, you know, a positive experience, maybe you can, you know, turn it around and think, okay, in like a year or two years, I'll have a really crazy story to tell about this experience. Because I always tell people, if you have a good trip, like let's say you went on vacation, nothing bad happened. Somebody, you know, and then, and then you come back and then somebody says, how was your vacation? And you say, oh, it was great. (laughs) But think about if something like really bad happened, like a monkey stole my wallet. You would have a story like a monkey actually did steal my wallet. I think when I was in Bali, no, what did he steal? He definitely tried to steal my bag. Anyway, either way you, you get a crazy story out of it and you can tell it to people and it makes you more interesting because if nothing went wrong on your trip, it's actually not interesting. Why is that? We don't want to hear about like all the good things that happened on your trip. We want to hear about all the negative shit, like all the bullshit that happened on your trip. Please tell me all the bad things that happened on your trip, because I don't really care how nice the sunset was in, you know, fucking... Uh, Greece. I don't care. Okay. I want to hear about your flight getting delayed and your hotel, you know, fucking flooding or whatever the hell happened. Like I want to hear all the fucking juicy drama, you guys. Okay. So anyways, that's one little takeaway. If you, if you want to have a takeaway from this random ramble, um, you know, the takeaway is if something negative happens, if you have a stressful situation ever, um, again, unless it's, it was actually very tragic and very sad, um, You know, other than those extreme situations, most of the time you will get over it. You will learn to um, appreciate those experiences in the future and you will live to tell the tale and it'll be very interesting. Anyways, so one thing you guys, oh my God, I have to complain again. Okay. I know we complain about this like every single time, but I will not stop until this changes. Okay. I will be an activist. Okay. But I have to complain about car culture once again because oh my god, did I love walking around London, taking the tube. Yes, the tube is a bit stressful. Okay, it can it can be delayed, it can be a bit hot, and there definitely are better transit systems around the world, but oh my god, did I ever miss just that culture of everyone is just walking around everywhere, taking the tube and just like not in a fucking car, my friends. Okay? I honestly, for the life of me, cannot understand why more people do not complain about this. It's like, here's the thing. When you live in North America, you get like, I mean, wherever you live, you get, you know, very used to your environment and you think this is the norm, right? This is the only way to live and then you do things based on whatever that norm is. So if the norm is you get a car when you turn 16, then that's what you do. You get a car when you turn 16, you drive everywhere, you meet at a fucking drive-through. Okay, you sit in a goddamn parking lot in the middle of a Walmart and you talk to your friends, you smoke weed or whatever the hell you do, and that's the norm. But god, like just walking around London and even walking around Milan, I'll talk you I'll talk to you guys about Milan in a bit. I just it just felt more me. Like I feel more me when I'm in Europe. It's weird. Not that I feel more me. I don't know how to describe it. I feel out of place everywhere. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. Speaking of out of place, I saw TikTok and I forgot who who this was. I'm so sorry. Um, but this was like a while ago as well. But this woman was talking, I think she was a psychologist or like a counselor or something. And she was talking about the experiences immigrants have right moving to another country so you have the first generation immigrants i think that's what it's called or no no you have the immigrants oh my gosh i don't know the terminology i think it's first generation is when you first you're the ones that came to the country so like my parents would be first generation immigrants because they moved from korea to canada i think i could totally be wrong oh my god let me just google this (laughs) i have a computer in front of me okay um I don't have a freaking producer that types things for me. Let's see. First generation. Mm. Never mind. Okay, I feel like everyone is giving me a different answer. Okay. But okay, whatever. I'm pretty sure first generation means that you were the ones that were born outside of the country that you end up residing in. So if you were born in like, Korea or Afghanistan or wherever, and then you move as adults to Canada, you are first generation Canadian immigrants, okay? And then the kids that you have are second generation, okay? Anyway, I was part of the 1.5 generation, which is very strange. Why is it called 1.5? Maybe that's why it's called, I don't know. I am for sure a 1.5 generation immigrant, which means that my parents, no, which means that I was born in a foreign country, yet I moved to this country called Canada or wherever, whichever whichever country, okay? I moved to another country as a child, okay? Not as a fully grown human being, but I moved to another country as a child. So I'm born in a different country, but I moved to another country as a child. So it's not that I'm born here, and it's not that I was an adult, but I came here as a child. And apparently this is psychologically very difficult for, uh, for, for us. <laughs> okay. Apparently this is the most difficult in terms of feeling like you identify or that you belong anywhere. Because the problem is when you are an immigrant, I'm just going to call it an, an immigrant. I still don't know what's first generation when you're an immigrant. Right. And not that it's not not that it's easy to be an immigrant. I'm sure that's like probably a much, much harder thing to do. But if you're an immigrant, you identify with the country that you were, you know, that you were born in, that you moved from. So if you're a South Korean immigrant that moved to Canada, you identify more as a South Korean. You feel fully like a Korean. You don't ever really feel assimilated into the society that you moved to, which also has, I'm sure, a lot of psychological implications and a lot of problems. However, um, I don't know why I said however, but anyway, (laughs) so there's that, okay? And then if you are born um, to immigrants, first generation, whatever it's called, if you're born to immigrants, then you are much more likely to obviously identify with the country that you were born in. So if you're born in Canada, but your parents are Korean, you are much more likely to identify with the Canadian culture, whatever that may be. However if you are 1.5 generation like myself and a lot of other people and you move to a country as a child so you were somewhat introduced to the culture of your original country and then you move to another country uh, as a child when you aren't fully you know you haven't fully become a full-grown human being yet you are still a child you still haven't formed your identity yet and you move to a new country you have, you are kind of stuck between the two worlds and apparently you never fully kind of adjust to being one or the other. And that can be a very difficult kind of psychological process. That's the TikTok I saw. And I was like, oh my God, is this why I have such issues? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But lit- literally guys, let me know if you are, you identify as a 1.5 generation, maybe you have the same experience, but it definitely does kind of, you know, It definitely has a little bit of that. Like, I feel like my experience definitely is, um, a unique, not, not a unique one, but compared to people that were born here and compared to immigrants, I definitely have a very different experience and I'm not saying one is necessarily easier or better than the other, but it is definitely a a different experience in terms of, um, identity, right? Because I don't feel Korean, Korean, um, I definitely don't feel Korean. I think if a Korean looked at me, they don't... They Korean people think I don't look Korean, okay? Let me just tell you. Even when I don't have this red hair, okay? um, If I have black hair and I go to Korea, and even if I don't put on that much makeup, something about me gives away that I am not like a Korean Korean. They might think I'm Korean, but they definitely know that I'm not like from Korea. There's something I'm giving off, okay? And anytime, even if I'm on a flight going to Korea people will still talk to me in English. Like the flight attendants that are Korean will talk to me in English, even though I am Korean. But obviously I look like I am not Korean or that I don't speak Korean. And I do speak Korean, but they will talk to me in English. I don't know. I don't know what it is about me that gives away like, I don't speak English or that I'm not Korean. But people get like surprised as well. People are surprised when I start speaking Korean or I tell them I'm Korean. People are like, you're Korean. Anyways, so... Again, I forgot why I'm talking about not belonging, okay? Oh, I was talking about Europe and how I feel like um there's so many things I just love about Europe where I feel like, "Oh my god, this is like kind of this is my vibe." I feel like Europe is my vibe, you know what I'm saying? I'm so not vibing with car culture. This is where it came from. Car culture is so not my vibe. I'm sure you guys have heard me complain about this over and over again, but like I've never been into Cars, or like the idea. Like when I turned 16, I was like, oh my God, I need to get a car. I didn't get my license until I was 19, which is quite late for um, Canada. A lot of kids get it, you know, at 16, 17, 18, whatever. And I just never really cared about car culture or like having a car. Uh, to me, a car is just getting from one place to the next. And if I can do it without, uh, you know, like, if I can do it without a car, I would rather do it without a car. And now more than ever, you guys, apparently with the rise of gas prices, um, I have not been like, I am so content with my decision not to have a car. If you don't know, I don't have a car. Okay. That is very, and that is much of, I can't talk. My God. Okay. This is why I need to edit my videos. <laughs> this is very much a conscious decision for me. I don't have a car. I have never had my own car. I know how to drive. I drive my parents' car sometimes, but I do not have a car. Okay. And I, I tend to keep it that way. And I think this is the reason I save a lot of money. I was able to save money from a young age because I never had car payments. And instead of having a car, I went to go travel. I went to Korea when I was in, when I was a teenager, I would go to Korea like every two years. And then I lived abroad and all these other things. So I'm so not in tune with car culture. And what I love about Europe is the lack of, I mean, not lack of, but like less car culture, less car dependency. And just walking around London, I was like, this is so my vibe. I just love that people can just, after work, they don't have to worry about a vehicle. They can just go out for a pint. Another thing I love about British culture, pop culture, guys, as unhealthy as it probably is. I just love it. I just love it. It's so lively. I love that you can just like grab a pint and just stand outside of the pub. Even if there's no seats, guys, if there's no seats in the pub, you'll always see a group of people standing outside, especially in the summertime. London in the summertime, my Lord, sorry, I kind of have to burp a little bit, but that was a good timing. Um, My Lord guys, London in the summertime, especially in June, Is perfection. It is so lively. Pub pubs are just packed with people, and you just grab a pint. You sit inside or outside, stand outside, and you just chill. And there's like a neighborhood pub in every single little neighborhood where people just come and chill. You can bring your kids. You just like fucking get a pint. You don't get like super wasted. I mean, you can, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that do, but most of the time you just get a couple pints. And then, you know, you might take a tube home or go to another pub. I mean, it's just fun. It's fun. Okay. And it's, it's so nice that you don't have to think about, oh, who's going to be the designated driver? Who's going to drive? Oh my God. We have to drive all the way back from the suburbs. Like when I was like 18 and stuff, we would always have to find someone to drive us to downtown. Cause like all our, you know, all of our parents, you know, we all lived in the suburbs. So we had to like, you know, coordinate anytime we wanted to go clubbing. I don't even know how we fucking did it, to be honest, okay? But, like, we had to coordinate going to the club. We'd be be like, okay, who's driving? And then you'd have to, like, you know, pregame, you know, as you're going there in the car or something. And, And then you just kind of, you know... And then you just go and then you drive back because taxis are also super expensive, especially because, especially in North America, everyone lives in the suburbs and, you know, taking a taxi all the way to the suburbs could be like, you know, 40 to $60 even depending on where you live. So you don't take a taxi, you know? So it's, it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's so much more lively as a result. I genuinely feel like the lack of car culture is one of the main reasons, and obviously it's like close proximity to one another, like Europe is a lot smaller, like geographically, which I'm sure is another reason why there's lack of car culture. There's a lot of cultural reasons as to why things are the way they are, but I genuinely feel like because of, yeah, the, the, the population density of Europe and the lack of, or the, the lesserment lesserment of car culture is one of the reasons why it's just more lively. There's more culture in Europe. There's just more like just more art and culture and, you know, all of that in Europe and of course North America, especially Canada, much newer countries. So obviously that impacts it as well. But man, you guys, man, Um, So yeah, uh, and and the reason why I wanted to talk about this again is because somebody, um, I'm so sorry I did not write down your name here, but you know who you are. Uh, Somebody sent me uh, or sent us a DM on our Patreon, okay? They sent us a message on our Patreon, one of our patrons, obviously. And um, she said something along the lines of how um, when she's watching true crime, she noticed that cars are often involved in transporting murder and abduction victims because they offer a lot of speed. And privacy. Do you think getting rid of cars and switching entirely to public transportation would make it harder for people to be abducted and murdered? I was like, wow. Here's the thing, you guys. What I've learned about life is that you don't realize how little things or things that seem little in society, like decisions that we make about where you know b- certain buildings go, decisions we make about how big our highways are going to be, the city infrastructure, and the way that we kind of shift our culture and the things that we do as humans has a huge impact on so many factors that we don't even realize, right? So I do believe, you know, not that, you know, switching to public transportation would completely reduce crime, you know, murder, abduction, all that. But I truly do believe that, you know, it can help. I feel like it can because, you know... yeah. Think about, think about like serial killers. Think about like so many, uh, so many horrible crimes that people do and how often cars are actually involved. I didn't even think about this until I read this uh, message. I was like, holy shit. Okay. Another reason to hate car culture, (laughs) like fucking murder, bitch. Okay. Like literally it's another reason to hate car culture. You know, think about like, Ted Bundy, okay? He was like trans, you know, he was like trying to like uh what did he do? He he had this like uh brown car and he was like abducting victims into his car all the time. All the time. And I'm sure you can name so many other, you know, uh, you know, uh, murderers or serial killers that do the same thing or that did the same thing. So like i feel like you're right it's just harder to hide as well if you don't have a car or if you live in a place again i think it's also because of you know being in close proximity to one another like if you think about europe people are just like there's just more people around so i feel like it might be a lot harder to get away with like you know being a murderer and an abductor and a kidnapper i'm not saying it's impossible i'm sure there are but it is probably a lot harder um yeah like in a in big countries like Canada, US, I feel like it's probably a lot easier, especially when you have lots of vehicles, lots of cars and people just living their own independent lives. That's another thing, right? Like when you have really serious car culture, people just go from one place to the next. Like you just go from A to B, right? You just go from your home to your work and then your work to home and maybe you go to a friend's house, you know, whatever but there's there's very little like mingling outside of that. There's very little like walking around, seeing people outside of your maybe social circle or work circle, you know? It's you don't get to walk around a city and just view everything that's happening. You don't get to walk into like a little store and like, you know, see what kind of things are being sold and bought in this store. You don't get to see, you know, the reality of the streets and like are there homeless people on this street? Are there not? you know, you can empathize more. You can, you can see people more. You can, you can talk to people. You can interact with people more potentially. I know I'm romanticizing lack of car culture, but like, it's kind of true. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of true. Okay. And I also saw like one of the, one of the really great YouTube channels that I fell into a rabbit hole once watching. Um, It's called Not, oh God, what is it called? Not Your Bike. Oh my God, what is it called? Not... No, that is not it. Not Just Bikes, close enough. So it's called Not Just Bikes. And basically, they this channel is very much about like urban planning and talks a lot about this very topic, uh, which is like car culture like or car dependent culture, I should say. Car dependent culture. There's nothing wrong with cars. I'm not saying, you know, I've obviously <laughs> ridden in cars. I drive a car. I know how to drive a car. Um, I have a license, all that stuff. And obviously they can be very, very helpful. And I'm not saying we should all just get rid of cars. I know that there are, you know, obviously circumstances in which we need cars, but I don't like car dependent culture where you feel like everyone and anyone needs to have a car and that you need to have... Five vehicles in one household. That like in a household, every single person that lives in the household needs to have their own vehicle. I don't like this. I don't like lack of public transportation or or the option of having a good public transportation. I don't like that. I don't like having to take uh, let's say a bus for an hour uh, when you can just drive for ten minutes. I don't like having to walk on shitty roads that don't look nice because they're all built for cars. That's what I mean by car culture uh, or car dependent culture. So, anyways. This um, YouTube channel talks about, God, and I forgot why I'm talking about this YouTube channel. God, you guys, my brain, my brain, I have TikTok brain. What do I do? Um, Oh yeah. So the reason why I brought this up is because I do believe they did this video once where they talk about actually how it is safer um, in... Uh, like what, what do they say? I think in, in the Netherlands, people let their children just walk to school or cycle to school by themselves. Like At a young age, they're just allowed to just go to school by themselves. And the reason why it's allowed, again, it's because there is more people around. There are more people around and there are people actually walking around the streets. There are people in the town. When they're walking, there's people. And again, it's a lot to do with population density, not just cars, but that's one of the things that allows it to be actually safer because there are more people around. So this goes back to the whole, like, is it going to be safer when there's um, more public transport and less cars? Absolutely. I do think that is a reason. And the reason why when in North America, we are very obsessively, you know, making sure our kids are like never alone. Um, they're never outside alone. is because when you look at suburbs of, of North America, um, if, even though they may be safe, it's eerily quiet in a lot of these suburbs and there's nobody around. So if you are actually to abduct abduct somebody or commit some kind of crazy crime, it's actually probably more likely that you're going to do it in a suburb that is very, very quiet than a busy street where there's lots of people around. So that's one of the reasons why um, people in the Netherlands might feel safe uh, allowing their kids to walk to school alone. But in North America, when there's nobody on the street and if you all live in a very quiet suburb and your kids are just walking, like that is actually probably more scary. Um, So... Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Um, if you guys want to check out that YouTube channel, again, it's called Not Just Bikes. Oh, guys, I was worried about filling this hour and I am just going on a rant and we only have 15 minutes to talk about all the fucking shitty things, you guys. Oh my God. Actually, somebody somebody asked me to talk about how I learned to play the guitar. I was, I was, asked, I was asked, guys, I only have like half a glass of wine and I'm already like tongue-tied anyways, um, I was asked, uh, about how I learned to play the guitar. Um, I'll tell you my little guitar story. So I, uh, when I was like in, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a singer. Yes. That was like my dream. I know I wanted to be, well, first I wanted to be a K-pop star (laughs) anyways. Um, you know, I wanted to be a K-pop star. I was into K-pop before it was cool, you guys, okay? Um, Thank God I did not try to do that because there's no way, like, listen, not that I'm, like, knocking my appearance. I don't think, like, I'm totally fine with my appearance. <laughs> but, like, I would not fly in the K-pop world. Let me just tell you, okay? Okay, they would want me to have all kinds of surgery and I am, even if I was, like, good-looking enough to be part of this K-pop world, I am so glad I am not part of it, okay? I could do a whole deep dive into K-pop culture and how toxic uh, this industry is, it is so, so bad that as an adult, there is no way that I can ever like allow that to happen to like, you know, my teenage self. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So anyways, um, so I wanted to be a singer. So I really liked singing. I still like singing. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Now it's a hobby of mine. And, um, I always felt really awkward just singing, right? Like it's awkward to just sing. Okay. Imagine if I just started singing, it's awkward. Okay. What if somebody just started singing at a party? Okay. It's awkward. It's not anybody's birthday. And even if it was like, it's awkward, right? Even if this person is like a really good singer, unless you are in an American Idol fucking uh, audition room, please do not sing in an awkward situation. However, okay. When it is less awkward is when somebody is playing an instrument, especially guitar. That all of a sudden, just the addition of the guitar makes it cool. It might still be a little awkward, okay? Don't get me wrong, depending on the context, okay? Um, but all of a sudden, now you are jamming, okay? Now you're having a jam sesh, okay? You're not just awkwardly singing a cappella, you have a jam sesh. So I think that was like my initial kind of like, um, Thought process. I wanted a guitar when I was like a teenager. I think I was like in grade seven or something, or grade eight. And I believe that is when I bought my guitar. I still have the same guitar that I bought at that time. Okay, it was an expensive one as well. But I told my mom I was like, I want to get get a guitar. And when I was younger, I played the piano, so I learned piano. But I always thought of piano as like the uncool instrument. Okay. Oh my god, I remember this girl. Side note. God, kids are so fucking mean here's the thing, you guys, people ask me if I want children. Listen, I think I always say like, I think I want to adopt kids, but I don't know. I'm already like, whatever. You know what? Let's not delve into that. But people ask me if I want kids. I'm like, I, I do want kids, but then I have to realize that they are turning into teenagers eventually. And I don't know if I want that. <laughs> Listen, you guys, I seriously don't know how parents make it through their kids being teenagers. Like, please tell me because- even the nicest teenager, I feel like would be awful. Like, I'm sorry. I was awful. I feel like, and I wasn't even that bad. Um, anyway, even the nicest teacher is awful. Anyway, forgot why I said this again, but so I wanted to, um, Oh, I played, I played piano when I was a, when I was a kid. And then I always thought it was uncool. Oh, here's the story here's the story. I think I was like, I was probably 12 or something, maybe 13. And I remember when I was like in grade five, I was friends with these two girls. Right. And they were like kind of the cool kids, I guess. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of like one of the cool kids. Oh my God. And then of course, as teenage girls do, we were like probably like 11 years old. Um, we were like, uh, we we're the three of us were really good friends. And then of course I was really mean as well. So like me and one of the girls, we kind of like, um, ditched one of the other girls. And we're like, we don't like you anymore. And honestly, there was probably no reason. Like there's probably literally no reason. And we did that. And then we did that for like maybe a couple months. We were so mean. Like that is so mean. Okay. Honestly. And then, um, we accepted her back. We're like, okay, you're, you're welcome back. I don't know why. Again, don't know. Remember, don't remember any of this. Okay. I was awful. So then she came back and then of course those two, I should have known, right? Those two decided to ditch me. I know those bitches but I did it first. So honestly, like I was probably asking for it anyways. So I got ditched. Um, They didn't accept me back. I made friends with other people, (laughs) the less cool kids or whatever. Anyways, it was just, Oh God, I do not, I do not wish teenage hood upon anyone or their parents. So then anyway, the reason why I tell you that story is because one of the girls later on, um, I remember like, she sent me some kind of nasty, it was like probably like an MSN message. This was like probably, this is a long time ago, you guys. Okay. 20 plus years ago, sent me some sort of MSN, was it MSN message or something? Um, maybe it was even email. Okay. And it was something like, oh, you don't even have talent, um, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I was very good at playing the piano and <laughs> I was probably arguing with her. I was like, I know how to play piano. And then she was like, that's not even cool. You have no cool talents. Yeah. Anyways, wow, awful. Awful teenagers are literally awful. They they should just be put into a corner somewhere and just, you know, like just taught to behave, okay? I'm just joking, guys, okay? Don't don't sue me. Anyways, so that got into my head. I'm pretty sure that was part of it. But of course, I mean, we all know like it is kind of true like it, Piano is one of those things that, you know, as a teenager, you you can't appreciate as much. I think it's something you can really very much appreciate when you are older. Like it, there's nothing sexier than a man that is great at playing piano. Like, oh my God. And of course there's nothing classier than a woman that plays beautiful piano. So I do wish I continued piano because I was actually quite good at it. I mean, I wasn't that good at it. I just learned it for many years. And I was actually studying like theory, like musical theory. I hated musical theory though. I don't think I ever want to do that. Um, but that was part of the whole curriculum in order to like advance into the grades. I think they called it like Royal Conservatory or whatever it's called. Um, I think I was up into like grade, I don't know. I must've made it to like grade seven or something. Um, and I think if you, if I did like one or two more levels, I could have potentially taught, but I hated theory so much. So I quit in like the middle of, I don't know, probably uh, in the beginning of junior high or something quit that. And then, wow, I'm talking a lot about myself today, guys. I apologize. Okay. It, you try talking to yourself for an hour. Okay. Yourself comes up anyways. Um, so I I did that. <laughs> I quit piano. I was like, this is not cool. And then I, I always thought guitar is like the cool kids, you know, the cool thing to do, right? Like it's, it's cool to play the guitar. So I think that's, that was like my mindset. I just wanted to A, sing without being awkward and B, be like a cool person that plays a guitar. So I got a guitar and, um, I think I like, um, I don't even know if I did lessons initially. I think for a while I just like, was like, I'm going to just teach myself. And I barely touched it, of course. And then I think when a couple years after having the guitar, I was like, okay, I should probably take like some kind of lesson. So I took like maybe two months lesson. This guy with like really long hair. (laughs) Anyways, uh, bless him. And I think one of the first songs I learned to play was like, um, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Wow. So depressing. I don't know why I learned that, but that was one of the first songs. Um, and then I just kind of, uh, I think I got a little bit of confidence from that just a little bit. It was so hard. Guitar is really, really hard, especially in the beginning, uh, because your fingers hurt and it's really, really awkward. Like, I feel like this is what I always say. I feel like guitar is harder in the beginning, but it's easier to um, be okay at as in like piano, you can kind of like, you have to be kind of like really good at it, um, to sound good. Whereas guitar, you can just learn a few chords. And as long as you know, a few chords, like you can play so many songs. So you can like pretend that you're like good at it. So that's kind of like where I am at. Like I am not good at guitar. Okay. Any guitarist will tell you like, I am pretty much a beginner. Like I'm not even intermediate, but like, I I think I can, like, get away with it because it's guitar and because I sing along with it. Whereas piano, it's really hard to, like, fake being good at the piano. Um, that's my perspective. Unless, of course, you're singing along with the piano and just playing, like, small chords. Um, but, but, yeah, guitar is, like, easier to kind of, like, fake being, like, a good guitarist. Anyway, so that's kind of, like, what I got into. And then of course I started learning a little bit more, um, alone. Like I learned how to play like officially missing you on the guitar, like with the tabs, I started learning like different little songs, um, with the guitar. All you have to do really is to learn like literally four chords G, um, fucking, oh God, C, D and A something. I don't know you literally need to know like four chords and you can play so many different songs. Okay. It's very, very, very nice. So I still like to play it. I don't play it as much as I want to. I want to practice more. Um, but yeah, there's that. That's, that's the guitar question. Now guys, we do have to talk about, of course the news. I know, I know I've been just kind of talking about random things and it was kind of nice actually to kind of like being, being my own little corner, but Oh my God, it's already like almost an hour. What the hell's going on? Um, Clearly, I don't need Daniel. So should we just uh, get rid of him? No, just kidding, guys. Guys, we love Daniel. I know you love Daniel. You don't want to get rid of Daniel. Um, uh, some pe- people asked me to spill tea about Daniel. And um, you know, uh, I also joked about, I'm like, I'm going to spill some tea. Listen, guys, Daniel is actually one of the nicest people. And he is literally, the way you see him here is basically how he is. Except he's a little bit more crazy in person. <laughs> he's more like... He is even more fun in person and um, he's more likable, I'm sure, in person, not that he's not likable on on camera, but um, uh, he is just lovely. He there's really nothing nothing bad to say, honestly. Um, and we truly cannot stop talking. Like we will literally record the podcast and then we will have wine and talk for like a few hours after. I don't know why we have so much to talk about, but we will just talk and talk and talk. Um, we will meet up for walks and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> So, yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's coming back very, very soon. So we do have to talk about, of course, the tragedy that happened in the United States while we were taking our little lovely break, which was that Roe v. Wade was, of course, um, as we were predicting, uh, unfortunately overturned. I'm sure you guys know what it is, but just in case you don't, Roe v. Wade was basically the protection clause. I don't know if I'm uh, articulating this correctly, so do correct me if I am articulating... This wrongly. But Roe v. Wade was a protection clause that provided a federal uh, level of protection in the United States of America for women to have abortions, safe and legal abortions. Now, that doesn't mean that it was completely legal in all levels all over America. That meant that it was, I think it was first trimester, there was no question, I think, um, you had to provide safe uh, abortions. And then afterwards, it became a little bit more um, dependent on the state. So but that was the protection that was the federal right to abortion that women had and now it has no long, it has been overturned essentially and um it was it is it is honestly it it shouldn't shock us but it's kind of one of those things where it really makes me realize how we are going so so backwards i think with covid when covid happened and all of the you know crazy things that happened uh from the right wing i genuinely was like okay we are really kind of like moving Backwards, like we're becoming more conservative. I genuinely felt like as I was growing up and I was, you know, I was, as I was becoming, being, I can't talk. As I was becoming a teenager and as I was um, living as a teenager, and then as I was in my 20s, I felt like things were progressing at least. You know, I think when I was a teenager is when um, gay marriage became legal in Canada. I think I was like in grade eight or something. And just like small little things kept happening that made it feel like we were progressing. Like we legalized weed in Canada, um, you know, when I was in my 20s. And I don't know, like a few other things happened, you know, like progressive things happened. So I felt like we were moving in that kind of right direction. And then this, and then COVID happens. And then now this, and I feel like this is truly like a terrifying time. Um, I know we've talked about this so many times before, uh, you know, on this podcast, but the fact that it's actually been overturned is so fucking scary. And I genuinely feel like there should be riots all over the United States right now. I don't know if there are. Um, I truly, I do understand if you don't want there to be because, uh, today is July 5th. Yesterday was July 4th. And of course there was yet another, uh, horrible mass shooting in America for, uh, during some kind of July 4th celebration. So I can understand. And also after like COVID and all the crazy things that happened during COVID, um, in all the riots and stuff and all the dangerous things that happened people getting shot and killed. I can understand why people would be too scared to riot and too scared to uh, protest. but holy shit, holy fucking shit you guys, this is so fucking backwards. I was just watching um, the beginning of a documentary about this about Roe v Wade on Netflix and they I think they said that they started talking about this or they legalized uh, abortion I think sometime in the 70s or something like that. Um, or maybe I'm totally wrong, but like it was quite some time ago. So for us to literally go back, I'm just going to double check this because I think we talked about this before. I just want to make sure I have the, um, the, the date correctly. I just want to, yeah, 1973, you guys, 1973, we have gone back to the times before 1973. (sighs) I honestly cannot. And here's the thing. I know we talk about, Oh, like we're in Canada, come to Canada. And I'm, not going to say that Canada isn't better in terms of many aspects. We have universal healthcare. We have, uh, we, at least for now have the right to abortion. We have a lot of things that the U.S. does not have. And we do, we are a more progressive nation just, you know, naturally we are, um, in almost every aspect. However, I would not get too comfortable. Okay. Us Canadians, we cannot get too comfortable. We are so close to the U.S. Politically, we are, you know, close. We are geographically so close. And let's be fucking honest. The conservatives in this country, okay? Canada, the conservatives of Canada, they want to be American so fucking bad. Okay? They do. They wish they were fucking American. Okay? And not that there's anything wrong with being American, but they want to be American in the worst ways. So I would not be surprised if this overturning of Roe v. Wade has now encouraged... Canadian conservatives to start acting here in this country. It is scary. Okay. And the idea that I recently saw this news story, it is fucking appalling that a 10 year old child, 10 year old rape victim, 10 year old child, um, could not get an abortion. Let me just double check this article because I was, I was, Oh my God, it is. I couldn't read it because it was just, just the thought of this is so Appalling, you guys. Okay. A 10 year old rape victim was forced to travel from Ohio to Indiana for abortion. Okay. The case of a 10 year old child rape victim in Ohio who was six weeks pregnant. Six weeks. A lot of people do not even know they are pregnant in six weeks. Okay. She was six weeks. Oh, God. 10 year old ch- guys, 10 year olds, 10 year old child was six week, pr- weeks pregnant, ineligible for an abortion in her own state, was forced to travel to Indiana. Okay. For the procedure, the story of the girl came to light three days after the court overturned a nationwide right determining pregnancy. Oh, and Ohio's six week trigger ban came into effect. So I guess that means after six weeks, too bad. So sad for you. You better have a fucking child when you are already a child. So anyways, it is absolutely fucking crazy. You guys, it is absolutely fucking crazy. Okay. 10 year old child. Okay. You are going to force a 10 year old child to have a child. What the fuck is wrong with this fucking child? world right now. Um, anyways, so people cannot stop talking about this. I know this happened weeks ago, but I will not stop talking about it because it is so fucking disgusting. Okay. And I thought about this random analogy and I don't know if it like makes sense because I know people are so adamant that this is like, you know, like I can understand some. Okay, here's the thing. I can sympathize, okay, if the pro-life position was also the position that wanted to provide free universal health care to all citizens. They wanted to also provide um, mandatory parental leave from work, mandatory paid, sorry, mandatory paid parental leave. So maternity leave or paternity leave paid mandatory um, by law. Okay. If the position was also to um, be. Uh, what what was it? Oh, also to have more gun control, less guns. Okay. Less guns. And also if the position was to provide more welfare and more resources from the state to mothers and their children that are in need. If that was also the pro-life position, I can almost, almost have a little bit more sympathy toward that position and try to kind of like understand that position more. However, that is literally the opposite of the pro life position. Almost every single conservative like almost every single pro life person is a Republican. Okay, almost. Not every single one, but generally speaking, okay, that is the majority of people that are pro life, they identify as a Republican. And those same people, and we're talking about especially political people that actually have political powers, those same people are against universal health care. How the fuck can you call yourself pro-life when you have a country where people literally die because they don't have access to healthcare because they don't have money? How the fuck, how the fuck do you call yourself a pro-life country or how do you call yourself pro-life if you live in a country and you support the policies that allow people to literally die because they do not have access to healthcare because of how much money they have? What the actual fuckery, okay? And also, how the fuck can you be anti-abortion when you don't even provide paid parental leave by law? This is the only country in the world, guys. United States is the only country in the world that does not provide paid parental leave by law, okay? Meaning that not only country, sorry, only the only developed country, the United States is the only developed country in the world that does not provide paid parental leave by law. Meaning every other country has some form of paid parental leave. Some people more than others, some countries more than others. And the reason why I bring this up is because, um, you know, for example, in, in Canada, there are laws for maternity, maternity leave that is paid. So you get to take maternity leave and some of it has to be paid by the employer or government or whatever it is, okay? So the employer has to provide some level of paid parental leave, I believe, okay? I don't know the exact laws around it, but that is the same with every other developed country, okay? Meaning that the employer does not have a choice. Like they do have to like provide you that kind of, you know, paid parental leave, okay? So, but if you're in the States and you work full time and you don't have an employer that provides you paid parental leave, you cannot get paid if you take time off to have a child and take care of this child, this baby that has just been born. So, and and the problem is a lot of times the employers that offer the paid parental leave, uh, because some employers, a lot of employers do offer it, even if it's not Uh, mandatory by law, right? Some employers do offer it, but oftentimes the jobs that offer these benefits are jobs that are already a little bit more higher paying, right? Like they tend to be a little bit more of the white collar jobs or the office jobs where you get like a benefits package, right? It's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, 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 more rare, okay, to see jobs that are like, you know, day-to-day, like maybe you're uh, like a like a server or you work at a coffee shop or you work at a, I don't know, like you work as a janitor. I don't know. Like you work more like hourly wage jobs. You are less likely to have those kind of uh, paid benefits, right? So And these are less paying jobs, generally speaking. So the problem is the people that are being paid less do not have those same benefits as people that are being paid more, generally speaking. And these are the people that need money more when they have a child. So when they have a child, they need to still make money. But if they take time off to have this child and raise this baby, they don't get paid by law, because it's not required by law and their employer might not pay it. And then what are they supposed to fucking do? And childcare is also fucking expensive. And it's the same people that call themselves pro-life that don't want to also give affordable, if not like, you know, subsidized uh childcare. Oh, but like you shouldn't have had a baby if you like can't take care of the baby. How is that the baby's fault? Okay, you're pro-life, right? Like the baby is not at fault for the choices of the parent. If you force women that cannot afford to have a baby, to have babies in a country where the foster system, uh, the foster system is already overrun. If you forced uh, women to have babies that cannot afford to have a baby, okay, uh, you, (laughs) you are now responsible. I'm sorry. You are now responsible for that baby. You as a society, you are now responsible for that baby. It is not up to the parent because you've now forced the parent to have this baby. It is not the baby's fault. The baby was born. Okay. It is not the baby's fault. No matter what circumstance, the baby did not choose to be born, okay? But now the baby is born. If, if the parent is a drug addict, it is not the baby's fault. If the parent uh, cannot take care of the baby, it is not the baby's fault. It is the fault or it is the responsibility of the society. This is why they say it takes a village to raise a child. You do not live independently of each other. We all live as a, as a society. We all live as part of a society. We help each other in a society. We help each other babies. We help children. I'm all for programs that help, uh, struggling mothers that help struggling people in general. I'm all for programs that, um, provide benefits to struggling people, especially people with children that can't take care of the children. Because again, the children should not be punished for being born into, uh, you know, whatever circumstance that they were born into. It is not their fault. So why are people like, it it gets me so fucking upset because how do you not care at all about the children that you are forcing to be put onto this earth because you care so much about the fucking fetus. I seriously cannot understand. Like I haven't heard people actually make uh, a a sound like rebuttal to this. Like explain to me why you think uh, the child should be born. And then now, and then now it is not your responsibility. It is now the full responsibility of the parent. The parent was trying to do the right thing okay? If they can't take care of a child, the best thing to do is to either not have the child or put the child up for adoption. For whatever circumstance, they may not be able to put the child up for adoption. There are many, many reasons why that cannot be the case, okay? Especially if the child is 10 years old and is having a child, okay? So like, I just will never understand how people can care so little about the people that are actually already on this fucking earth, okay? You religious people that say you're fucking religious, okay, that you don't want to kill the fucking fetus, but you don't want public health care, but you don't want any sort of regulations on guns, okay, but you don't want to have any of your tax dollars, God forbid, any of your fucking tax dollars go to helping any fucking children that are actually fucking here on this planet, okay, that you don't want to pay for a child's lunch, that you don't want to pay for a child to get a nice home, to to have their parents uh, be with them, every day to take care of them and not have to send them to overpriced daycare, which they cannot afford. Okay. God, I just, I just, God, how do people buy this argument? I do not fucking understand. How can people continue to buy this argument? Anyways, you guys, honestly, I feel like people need to, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like there should be riots. Like I genuinely feel like there needs to be riots across the United States right now. It is so fucking depressing. It is so fucking heartbreaking. I genuinely cannot believe this is happening. And might I remind you that making abortions illegal does not prevent abortions. Making abortions illegal does not prevent abortions. I'm probably going to finish watching that um, documentary. I think it's called, um, overturning, uh, Roe v. Wade or something like that on Netflix. And they do interview people from both sides. Okay. But, um, I mean, just, I'm just going to say like some of the shit that the early feminists of the 1970s did, God damn fucking hell. Like it is amazing what they did. And it is so sad to see it being turned around. Just imagine being in the seventies and fighting for abortion, like how difficult that would have been for women, but fighting for their reproductive rights, like holy fucking shit. Like they are badass. Okay. They are fucking badass. And I'm so sad that it is being literally turned around. Like, I just, I can't believe this. It's something we took for, for for granted, for sure, especially in Canada. Like, I never even thought of a day that this would happen, um, but it did. And apparently, they've been chipping away at it for the last few years. So it's not, um, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise, but, like, we didn't notice it, maybe. Um, but, you know, it's 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 really a reason to riot. If there's if there's ever been a time to riot, it is it is right now because here's the thing. Like there are so many trickle down effects. It's not even just about like it is of course 100% about the woman. Okay? It is about the woman and her body and her right to choose. Oh, let me think. Let me tell you this analogy and like let me know if this analogy makes any sense to you because I'm like, okay, it's very difficult to make an analogy about abortion because it is such a uh, how do I say it is such a unique sort of uh, discussion, right? It's such a unique situation that it is very difficult to have a an analogy that makes sense because you can't just be like, "Oh, can you just murder somebody that's just standing there?" Like, it's not the same thing, and like every intelligent person knows that it's not the same thing. Like murdering someone that is independent of you is not the same thing as. Uh, you know, like aborting a fetus. So it is very difficult to come up with an analogy for abortion. But here is one I thought of that maybe makes sense. So let's say you were in a car accident. Okay. Let's say you were driving a car. (laughs) I'm going to use the car thing again. Okay. Let's say you're driving a car and you got into a car accident and it was your fault. It wasn't your intention, but it was your fault. You got into a car accident. It was your fault. And it was a very, very terrible car accident. You wake up after a couple of days, maybe you're in a coma you wake up and you realize you're in this horrible car accident. Thankfully, you survived. And then you see that you have a body attached to you that is surviving off of you uh, because the other person in the other car that uh, unfortunately uh, collided with you um, happened to have injuries that were incredibly life-threatening, a lot more life-threatening to them than to you. And now they have to, again, this is a major hypothetical. So obviously I don't know how this, how how this would make sense from a medical point of view, but like in a hypothetical situation, this person is now attached to your body because maybe needs your bodily functions to survive. Okay. And, and this person needs to be attached to your body for let's say nine months. Okay. In order to keep surviving. Now, is this a moral issue? Okay. Should you allow this to be Happening, should this be a legal thing? If you get into a car accident, it's not even just like if you're already if you're attached to this person, if you are part of a car accident, right? Because I'm pretty sure there like if you're if you're uh, let's say a driver, even if you're a drunk driver, let's say, and you get into a car accident, you hit somebody's car, and this person is uh, in a life or death situation, but they need your organs. Now, should you, as someone that caused this accident, have to give away your organs to this person. Okay. Legally, that's no. Right. But like from a moral perspective, from an ethical perspective, do you think that that is okay? Because we're talking about bodily autonomy here, right? So the car accident analogy to me, it it, it seems to make sense because you got into the car, people make a lot of, you know, fucked up arguments uh, against abortion. And listen, 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 nobody likes abortions. Okay. It's not like, again, we're not saying woohoo, let's have an abortion. Like woo, like fun times. People do not like the idea of abortions. And I am 100% for programs that alleviate, not alleviate, that would decrease the likelihood of unwanted pregnancies. Okay. I am 100% for birth control, 100% for uh, sex education, which of course the right-wing that call themselves pro-life do not want. They don't want birth control. They don't want to talk about sex. They want to talk about abstinence-only education. So once again, proving that they don't give a fuck, okay, if there are unwanted pregnancies, because unwanted pregnancies happen when you have no proper birth control methods and no proper sex sex education. So yeah, I'm 100% for proper sex education, 100% for uh, birth control, and for programs that, again, help women that might be thinking about having uh, an abortion because maybe they can't take care of this baby to potentially being having hope that they can take care of this baby because maybe they have support from the government and the society that they live in. Um, but anyway, my point is nobody likes an abortion. Okay. It's not like, ooh, let's have an abortion party. Like, no, maybe there are some sick people that do that, but very, very tiny percentage of population. So I think the reason why it's a good analogy or the reason why the analogy made sense to me, this car accident analogy, is because a lot of people say, well, if you didn't want to have a baby, you shouldn't have had an abortion. Well, I mean, you shouldn't have had sex or whatever. Well, if you didn't want to get into a car accident, you should have been driving a car. Do you know how likely it is for you to get into a fucking car accident when you drive a fucking car? Okay. And newsflash, I know that all the religious people think sex is only for uh, you know, making babies, but that's your religious belief. That is not the belief of like, literally every other person that's not religious. Like there are many reasons to have sex. Like, you know, (laughs) like, I'm sorry, but like, it's not just to fucking, you know, reproduce. That's like saying eating is only to survive. Okay. Eating is also for pleasure. Okay. Eating is also for enjoyment. So you are allowed to have sex not for the uh, purpose of reproduction. So you are also allowed to drive a car uh, not for the purpose of getting into a fucking accident. So anyways, you drive a car with the knowledge that you might get into an accident, but you drove a car anyway. So it's your fault that you drove a car, right? So, and then this person got hurt because of you. There you go. Another thing that happened because of your actions, right? Even if it was an accident, it wasn't intentional. It was still your actions. You were, maybe you're being a little bit reckless. Maybe, maybe you looked uh, a little, you you didn't shoulder check enough. Maybe you, you know, were driving a little bit too fast. Who knows? Either way, this person got hurt because of you and your, you know, uh, mistake in your car. And then this person is now reliant on your body to survive. Is it your responsibility now then to be attached to this person and get your bodily autonomy completely snatched away from you for nine months. Would you be okay with this? Is the question. So I mean, we're, and again, we're talking about another person's life, right? This is a, like this is an even more severe situation because now we have an actual human life that is an actual developed human. Okay, it's not just a fetus here. We're actually talking about an an independent woman. Uh, independent human, goddamn you guys! I can't talk anymore. It's been like an hour and twenty minutes, just me talking. Um, but yeah, let me know what you think of this analogy, because you know, if you're truly pro- pro-life and if you truly want to, you know, live the consequences of your actions, okay, then you would be fine with having your body attached to another person's body to make sure that body survives. What's nine months, right? Isn't this what people say? What is nine months? See this as an opportunity to save a life. What is nine months to you when you can save somebody's life? Okay. What is nine months? It was your fault. You, you hit this person. So now you should be legally bound to this person's body for nine months. Even though it was an accident, you didn't mean to cause harm, but now you are getting your bodily autonomy snatched away because you're pro-life, right? Anyways, um, I don't know if that's again not the perfect analogy, but it's still an analogy nonetheless. And I think I will have to leave you guys here. Okay, I barely had time to drink my wine because apparently I can't shut the fuck up by myself. Um, guys, keep talking about Roe v. Wade. It is absolutely crazy. Um, and and the and the scary thing is, I keep talking about this because I've been guys. I haven't talked to you for like a month. Okay, give me a break. Maybe this be a two-hour episode. Anyway, no. Um, the reason why. I, I want to talk about this so bad because another another really scary thing about this whole Roe v. Wade thing is that they are saying now that um the fucking Supreme Court now wants to potentially look at banning same-sex marriage and what was the other thing? And sodomy? Like what the fucking shit fuck? If you don't know what sodomy is, you can look it up, but same-sex marriage. You guys, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because honestly Roe v. Wade happened in 1970s. So like, you know, the fact that same sex marriage, uh, you know, is, is on the table is not, is not surprising, right? It's not surprising. Um, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. These are the same groups of individuals. Again, like hypocrisy is literally just rampant in the right wing people. Okay. Same people that say they're pro-life are also pro-death penalty also, Okay, pro-life, pro-death penalty, also pro not giving children food and welfare and money uh, to survive, Uh, the same people that don't want free healthcare, but also the same people that tell themselves or tell people that they are about being free, okay? They believe in freedom, okay? They believe in freedom so much that they did not even want to wear a fucking mask on their goddamn face because because of a worldwide fucking contagious virus, okay? Even though they were told that wearing a mask could prevent people from getting the virus and potentially dying from the virus. So again, pro-life, pro-life? You can't even wear a fucking mask on your face and you want women to carry a baby for nine months and you're pro-life? But it's the same people that want freedom so fucking bad, you guys. The same people that want freedom so bad, That they want to control what you do in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. They want to control who you get married to. Okay. Gay marriage. Gay marriage. They are going to try to touch gay marriage. They already passed uh, the abortion bill. It would not surprise me, people. Okay. There needs to be some serious, serious protests going on. There needs to be something happening because it is literally Gilead right now. Okay. If you watch Handmaid's Tale, Gilead is the land that America becomes in Handmaid's Tale, which goes backwards in time. And basically women become, um, you know, sex slaves essentially. And, um, it's literally Gilead. It's becoming Gilead. So yeah, they're, they're going to try to ban gay marriage. They're going to try to ban, uh, you know, probably all kinds of things. Uh, and ta- and turn this into a completely religious authoritarian um country anyways um sorry to end on such a <laughs> oh no i am supposed to say this, and on that positive note <laughs> um anyway uh, on that positive note <laughs> um yeah, sorry to end on such a negative negative uh way, but I can't help it guys like I had to talk about this, right like it's not something I can just be like. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Sometimes I wish, like a little part of me wishes that I didn't care about these things. Like, I know that sounds bad, but sometimes it stresses me out. You know, these world issues. My dad used to say, my dad used to say, you know, um, a lot of people, feel bad for like the village idiot. I guess like back in the day in like Korea and stuff, and I'm sure a lot of other places, they always had like what they called the village idiot where there was like a a guy that was a little bit, you know, a little bit, you know, on the, the village idiot sounds really mean, but like, you know what I mean? Like a little bit on the intellectually deficient side. Um, And, you know, maybe they were like less intellectually developed. And he said, oh, my dad was like, you know, you feel bad for these people, but at the same time you look at them and they are like the happiest people. Because they they're just kind of happy to be there. They're happy to be around. They're happy to just live life day, to, day by day. Um, you know, basically it was his version of saying um, ignorance is bliss. And sometimes I think that I think ignorance might be bliss, but at the same time, goddamn. God damn, like, um we can't really stay ignorant, okay? Uh anyway, you guys take care of yourselves, okay? World is overwhelming. Today, this morning, I was feeling very overwhelmed. Uh, with, I don't know, workload and all kinds of things. And I had to Google like how to to feel less overwhelmed. There's too much to do. I was having like an episode of, I have too much to do that I don't want to do anything. So I went for a walk and I just kind of like, just told myself it was going to be fine. Wrote down a list and um, yeah. So tip number one, write a list, brain dump, Right, everything you have to do if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, maybe stay away from the phone for a second, put a timer on, and do as much as you can maybe in a few minutes, um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. Tidy up your space, spend some time outside, okay? Just unplug for a little bit, it's so important. Going for a walk today was a godsend. I was feeling so overwhelmed, and I went for a walk with Nadi, my dog, and it was really nice. And, um, yeah, just make a list, make a list of things you got to do, and then just schedule time to do it and it's fine. It's going to be fine. Okay. Um, yeah. If you're feeling overwhelmed with the news, you know, spend more time with, uh, you know, dogs, people that bring you up, you know? And, um, again, the phone is a lovely, but a terrifying thing. So try to stay away from it. You know, try to have a, maybe a few minutes or a few hours a day where you don't look at it anyways. Oh my God. What a fun filled episode, an hour and a half. (laughs) You guys, I was like, I can't fill this hour. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening to this fucking hour and a half long episode of me rambling. If you are still here, holy shit. um, If you are still here and you are in the YouTube comments, um, comment down below a fire emoji, along with, of course, whatever you wanted to, you know talk about whatever thoughts you had on the many topics we discussed today. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm not sure, actually, if Daniel's going to be back for next episode. I think he might be, but maybe he'll be busy. We'll see. But um, I'll force him to come back on because I know you guys miss him. Um, thank you so much, you guys. Tell everyone, guys, tell your friends, tell your family about our podcast. Um, podcast grow thanks to word of mouth. So post about it on Instagram, social media. Follow us on Instagram. It's The Savage Podcast. It helps us a lot. And of course, like us on all of the uh, platforms that you're listening to us on. Uh, give us a little follow, a little rating. Always helps. A five star. Uh, rating always helps. And uh, again, check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Savage Podcast. You could join for as little as $3 a month. And of course you get that bonus content every single month. And of course you get the episodes uh, a week earlier than everyone else. And I forgot to mention, you also get the episodes ad free, completely ad free. So um, yeah, thank you so much, so much you guys for being so patient with us as we took the must, much needed month off. And I really hope you enjoyed the solo episode. Maybe one day I'll get Daniel to do a solo episode and see how he does. Oh my God. He loves to ramble. So I think he'd do a good job. Anyways, thank you so much for listening guys. And I will see you guys next week, hopefully with my co-host and um, yeah. Thanks guys. Bye.